With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. And there was another coronation of sorts sometime later when some Persian kingmakers, strangers, foreigners showed up and came to see that very same child and offered gifts that were of such a substantial nature it provided for the upbringing of this new monarch in the world in which he lived. And this indicated that truly, indeed, he was a king. But it was also a very private event. And purposely, it was kept private. And the fact that it was so private upset the reigning king that even with a threat that it could be a real king, the threat to his throne, he decided to kill every single baby boy who might be that king and might be a threat to his throne. You might even say that the greatest king that ever came into the world came in with no appropriate coronation. And that would certainly be true. But then again, not only was his coronation not unlike other coronations, his kingdom was not like any other kingdom as well. In fact, Jesus was the one who said, my kingdom is not of this world. It was actually Jesus said, the kingdom's here and I'm the king. But the people didn't believe it. He just didn't look the part of a king. He didn't look like a king. He didn't act like a king. There was no pomp and circumstance to indicate the establishment of any kingdom. Now with that in mind, go back to Luke chapter 17. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. And we're going to look in verses 20 and 21. Luke 17, verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. Neither shall they say, Oh, he's over here or over there. For behold, the kingdom of God is 
within you. The Jews had an immense expectation for the coming king and his kingdom and the great pomp and circumstance that would take place and that he would defeat the Roman authorities. They were waiting almost in a posture of holding their breath. Some believed Jesus was this coming king, but he wasn't acting like it. Even at the time of the birth of Jesus, Anna and Simeon were waiting for the kingdom of God to arrive. The kingdom promised in the Old Testament, anticipated for centuries. And their patience was running out. They were getting old. The ongoing pagan conquerors that had occupied the land of Israel were so distasteful and public disappointment was rising and mounting and the people wanted the kingdom of God to come now. For example, Joseph of Arimathea, who showed up to take the body of Christ, he's identified, the Bible says, as one waiting for the kingdom. Luke 23, 51 says, Joseph was a man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he wasn't the only one either. He was just one of many who were waiting for the kingdom, hoping that the kingdom would come. And when the king did come, he didn't look like a king. When he said the kingdom had already arrived, it didn't look like a kingdom. The Pharisees were convinced that he was just a phony, that he was a charlatan and a fraud and was trying to pass himself off to the people of Israel as a king, when in fact he wasn't a king and didn't have a kingdom. That's what they were telling the people. The ultimate mockery was to be put on the cross a sign that this is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. That was put there with disdain and scorn and sarcasm, like I just said it. It just dripped with hatred. But ultimately, (laughs) three days later, it was found to be true. Amen? But Jesus talked about being a king all of the time. And he talked about the kingdom of God all of the time. In fact, it was such a constant thing in his ministry to talk about the kingdom. So it's somewhat natural that eventually they're going to get around to asking him about it. And that's what they did in verse 20. Let's look at this again. Verse 20. And when it was demanded of the Pharisees, when should the kingdom of God should come? Then he answered and said to them, let me just stop there for a minute, just to give you a little idea of how much he talked about the kingdom. Let's just turn back for a second to chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Amen. And we're just going to basically skim through Luke very quickly. Luke chapter 4, verse 4. 43, Luke 4, verse 43. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Chapter 6, verse 20, begins the Beatitudes. Blessed are you who are poor, or poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of God. Chapter 7, verse 28, I say to you, among those born of women, there's no one greater than John, 
Yet he who's least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. Chapter 8, verse 1. He began going about from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. Chapter 9, it's the same thing. The chapter begins with, He called the twelve together, gave them power and authority over all the demons to heal diseases, and He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. In verse 11, The multitudes were following Him and welcoming Him, and He began speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 27, the words of Jesus, I say to you truthfully, there are some of you standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. In verse 60 at the same time, the ninth, uh, the ninth chapter, yeah. Allow the dead to bury their own dead, he said. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Of God. In verse 62, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Then in chapter 10, verse 9, he said, The kingdom of God has come near to you. In chapter 11, verse 20, If I cast out demons by the finger of God, then you should know the kingdom of God has come upon you. I mean, he preached the kingdom of God, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Then he said, as demonstrated by his power over Satan and all the demons, the kingdom of God is near. And they said, the kingdom of God has come. He preached the kingdom, and he preached that the kingdom had come already. Amen! In chapter 11, the same emphasis, the kingdom has come. Chapter 12, verse 31, seek for his kingdom and these things will be added to you. He preached on the kingdom as recorded in chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 16, chapter 17, chapter 18. He preached the kingdom, particularly in the 18th chapter, where in verse 29, he said this, there is nobody who has ever left their house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive now many times more in this present life and then in the age to come, eternal life. And then he preached the kingdom again in chapter 19, 21, 22, as we noted also in chapter 23. He preached about the kingdom of God. Jesus was a kingdom preacher. And he has instructed us to do what? Preach the kingdom of God as well. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Shout amen, somebody. Glory to God. I want to turn real quick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter 10. You know, my calling is Ezekiel chapters 2 and chapter 3. That's my calling into the ministry. My charge now for the past two years, maybe three, my charge, my focus of the ministry is contained in what the Lord spoke to me through his scripture in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 
and 8 and 9. As you go, this is speaking to me. In my Bible it says, Bob, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then to confirm that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give, and provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, nor two coats, nor shoes are safe, for the workman is worthy of his hire. He's telling me, rely on donations for this ministry. Don't worry about the financial aspect. But I want to bring the focus back to the first part. As you go, preach. And this is what you're going to preach, that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is at hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus himself was a kingdom preacher. He preached the kingdom of God everywhere he went, and he told us to be preachers of the kingdom as well. Amen. Yet many preachers today do not want to do that. Why aren't all the preachers preaching about the kingdom of God? It was good enough for Jesus. Are you saying you're better than Jesus? Are you saying you know more than Jesus? Do you think for one second you can out-preach Jesus? I'm falling back into my drill sergeant days, I know. But think about it. Why are not more preachers today preaching about the kingdom of God? It's because it's not popular today. It's hard to take. It's not a motivational message. It's not a blessing message. It's not a grace message. It is a kingdom message which says you serve a king. Amen. Do not shout me down while I'm preaching good. Glory to God. He was preaching a kingdom that had arrived because he was already the king. He was there which means his kingdom was there. Well, that just don't fit expectations today, does it? Well, it didn't do it in Jesus' day either. All of this kingdom talk, yet, where were the signs of the kingdom? Where's the great coronation? We haven't seen it. Where's this great event? Jesus knew that was on his mind. And folks, that was mockery. It was... You keep talking about the kingdom. You keep saying you're a king, which they perfectly well understood from his preaching, to mean that he was the supreme sovereign over all the earth. They understood what it was to be a king. And as I pointed out, we have had a hard time with that because we've never really had a king in America. We don't like absolute unilateral rule. That's not our approach. But they understood what a king was, and they understood the absolute supremacy, absolute sovereignty of a king, that he could do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, with whomever he wanted, and there was no appeal, there was no recourse. They understood exactly what it meant to claim to be a king. But to claim to be a king without the appropriate coronation without publicly 
letting everyone know that I'm in charge and to claim to be God's king. Oh, especially claim to be God's king. Not God's king like you're over him, but to be God's appointed king. We'll put it like that. And to have brought God's kingdom to earth without the attending pomp and sir. I mean, this is the most high God. Why wouldn't he announce the arrival of his appointed king? And the people, they thought to be this was to be absolutely necessary. This was to be the absolute evidence in their minds of the proof that you're a king. And to claim otherwise without the all the pomp and circumstance was just ludicrous and foolish. They made a lot of efforts in those three and a half years of ministry to make Jesus look foolish. The Pharisees engaged Jesus in a number of questions publicly, what we would call today press conferences, if you want to do that. In the Gospel of Luke, starting in chapter 7, chapter 11, and many other places, every time they engaged him with a question, it was with the intention of discrediting him publicly, exposing him, making him a joke, bringing down upon him the animosity of the people, or in some cases, ultimately, the Romans. So they never had a good motive coming to Jesus. It doesn't seem that their motives were ever pure. And by this time, all this kingdom talk with absolutely no evidence of it makes a joke out of his claim. And they come wondering in their minds, just exactly when this kingdom of God is going to come that you keep talking about. They had developed a very elaborate expectation that their Messiah's rule would be inaugurated with a truly publicly display of miracles, signs, wonders in the sky and in the earth that would make the arrival of the true king and his true kingdom unmistakable. There would be no question about it. In fact, it might be good to show you what they expected. Now, I can take you through the old, the entire Old Testament. But a very good way to understand what was in their minds was just to go to the book of Joel. Joel, J-O-E-L, Joel. Sometimes my southern accent gets mixed up with my Canadian accent. And words, you know, people say, what did he say? <laughs> Glory to God. The last 12 books of the Old Testament begin with Hosea, then Joel. And Joel lays out for us the prophecies concerning the arrival of the king to establish his kingdom. Glory to God. It involves, of course, judgment on the ungodly and protection and deliverance for the godly and the righteous as they are ushered into the glorious kingdom. Joel begins at the very outset of his prophecy with identifying this event. In chapter 1, verse 15, Joel chapter 1, verse 15, Alas for the day, the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. The coming of the King was called the day of the Lord. And we always associate the day of the Lord with judgment. Maximum judgment. 
a final kind of judgment. There are days of the Lord in the Old Testament, days when God stepped in with great judgment. But there is coming a culminating, eschatological, final day of the Lord, which Joel has in view here in his prophecy. This will be the destruction that comes from the throne room of God himself. He will come to destroy his enemies and the ungodly. At the same time, it will be a time of salvation. It will be a time of blessing for the righteous. Go to the end of the prophecy, chapter 3, verse 18. It will come about in that day, that day of the Lord, that the mountains will drip with sweet wine, the hills will flow with milk, all the brooks of Judah will flow with water, and a spring will go out from the house of the Lord to water the valley of Shittim. In other words, it's going to be a time of immense blessing. Amen. Back in verse 16 at the end, the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Verse 17, you will know that I am the Lord, your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy. What does it mean to be holy? To be set apart. Glory to God. So we see all the positives. There is going to be the rescue and the protection of the righteous. And God is going to send his king to establish his throne. Where? In Jerusalem. And he's going to reign over Israel and over the whole earth. Well, Brother Bob, what are the signs of this coming? Is it happening right now? What's going on? Well, what should they be looking for as an indication? Go to chapter 2, Joel chapter 2, verse 1. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near. So we get a description. A day of darkness. A day of gloom. A day of clouds. A day of thick darkness as the dawn is spread over the mountains so there is a great and mighty people there has never been anything like it now he goes on talking about an army and a great war that will take place then down in verse 10 he describes further phenomena earthquakes the heavens tremble the sun and moon excuse me the sun and moon grow dark the stars lose their brightness and the lord utters his voice before the army. So there are plenty of visible signs, a great amassing of people in an army on the side of conquering the Lord, as well as enemies opposing him. I read that wrong. Let me read my notes again. Plenty of visible signs, a great amassing of people in an army on the side of the conquering Lord as well as the enemies who are opposing him. Signs in the sky, signs in the earth. Voices from heaven, verse 11 says, The day of the Lord is indeed great, very awesome, but who can endure it? Amen. Now, Jesus was doing miracles. He was healing people. He was casting out demons. He was raising the dead. 
And there was a certain power in that that was unexplainable. Miracles were happening all over the place throughout his ministry. Stunning, shocking, but not the kind of awesome signs like a great earthquake or a collapsing heaven that are associated by the prophet Joel with the work of God. And in that day, rend your heart, verse 13 of chapter 2, not your garments. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, who's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. In other words, you better make your peace with God before he comes in that day. Amen? If you haven't made your peace with God by accepting Jesus as the King, as the Messiah, and if you accept Him as Messiah, you have to accept His sacrifice. If you don't make that decision before the coming day of the Lord, it's too late in that day. And Joel gives very specific indicators of that. Over in chapter 2, verse 30, blood, fire, columns of smoke, The sun turned to darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. That's what they, in Jesus' day, were looking for. They were not looking for someone who was meek and lowly, compassionate and sympathetic and tender-hearted, who spent all his time with the sick and the needy and the poor and the grieving and the pained. He didn't hang out with the kings in their palaces or the leaders of the military or anything like that. He spent his time with those in their hearts were praying for the coming of the Messiah. Not as judging king and conquering king, but just to save them. When questioned, Jesus said, a doctor doesn't come just to spend time with those who aren't sick. He comes to heal the sick. You see, they were not looking, I'm talking about they, they, the leaders of the day, the leaders of the church, like we have leaders of churches today, a lot of churches aren't looking for the coming of the kingdom. They're looking at getting more and more and more in their kingdom. Anyway, that's I'm getting off topic on that. Don't get me going down that rabbit trail. Glory to God. But they were not looking for someone who is so comfortable with tax collectors and prostitutes and other assembled sinners who they consider to be a baser level of society. Where was the spectacular? Where was the big time divine coronation? Where was the fireworks show? They came mocking Jesus in a tone, at least I believe they do, but I think it's consistent with all the other times they came, they would come and basically say, well, when is the kingdom of God going to show up? I mean, if you're the king and the kingdom of God's here, when's the big announcement? When's the big ceremony? 
You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.